in a world where every diet you know is wrong. Well, not every diet. I mean... Yes, but almost every doesn't sound as good. Yeah, but... Shut up. One man stands alone. Well, not completely. I mean... It's time for Adam Martin, the No Breakfast Guy. And let's talk fast. Fasting, fitness, and fat loss. What's going on, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, more commonly known as the No Breakfast Guy, and I hope you're doing what you love with the people that you love. Now, let's just jump straight into it. So it's currently, what are we, Friday afternoon at 3.30 p.m. I have done all my check-ins. I'm really ahead of time because this weekend is my daughter's first birthday, and so We've got a lot of things to try and organize for that, and I'm not going to have much time on the weekend to record a podcast or get to any of my work, so I've been working flat out this week to make sure I get ahead of time and get all of that done, and this was the last thing to make sure I ticked off on Friday so I can go into this weekend and keep myself ready to go and enjoy that with the family and loved ones. I cannot believe a year has already gone by. And here we are at the end of the year and my daughter's turning one. I had my birthday last week as well. Um, And yeah, it's been actually a couple of weeks since I've recorded a podcast because there was a week, um, I say almost a month ago now, where I did about four podcasts in one week. And so they've just been back to back to back uh, onto the podcast. So it's first time in front of the mic for a while. And so I hope you've been enjoying the content I've been putting out of late. The last couple of weeks have really been heavy on the mental health aspect of the world, and we had Nicole, we had Drew, and then we had, um, oh, who was it, sorry, um, oh, now I'm going to forget, Dr. Kieran Kennedy, um, all talking about different aspects of not only coronavirus and the mental health aspects that are coming around that, but Nicole shared her uh, story around eating disorders and mental health issues and body image, and then last week we had Drew talking about his gym that he set up and how he got into the fitness world, but why he kind of got into that fitness world with regards to his brother going uh, through some mental health battles and obviously taking his life, which he shared on that podcast, which was uh, a really deep podcast and quite a few people reached out uh, to say how, um, oh, what's the word I want to kind of use here? Just not liberating is not the word I want to use, but just how open Drew was uh, and how comfortable it made um, these people feel that um, you know we're all going through some struggles these days and that uh, you don't have to do it alone and there are ways around it and there's people out there that care for you and that uh, we want to make sure that everyone is healthy and well and so uh, quite a few people have said reached out to say that Drew's story last week really touched them uh, and it was uh, always not good to hear, but good to hear that there are other people who are out there ha- uh, happy to share those kind of stories so we can not always feel like we're the only one going through these rough times. But uh, this week is going back to some absolute roots of my university degree. We're going to get into the exercise ph- physiology world. And as you've probably already seen from the title, uh, basically um, it would have been uh, last week sometime or during last week, I should say, by the time you hear this, during last week, I sent out a, uh, an email uh, that was titled, The Fat Burning Zone, Is It Fact or Myth? 
And so you would have seen that uh, title on this one because I had a huge response from people basically saying a, a number, you know, one of two different kind of things. One being, Adam, I'd always heard that, you know, being in a low intensity, you know, bout of exercise was better for fat loss and fat burning. Uh, so this is great to hear this email uh, this e- and receive this email and thank you for, you know, going through it and being much more, um, you know, open and honest about it and sharing the information they had. And the other one was uh, kind of relaying where my email had come from. And if you're on my email list, you would have seen that the reason why I wrote that uh, particular email and why I'm doing this now, because I had such a massive um, response to it that I wanted to do a more detailed uh, podcast to share that with you. And if you're not on my email address, then you can hear this one here. And if you're walking on a treadmill at the moment, then hopefully this will give you some information to see why lower intensity might not necessarily always be the best move forward for you when it comes to fat loss. And so let me go back to the story that started it all. I was out on a run and I've shared this a number of times. I'm on a run every day challenge at the moment. And as you hear this, um, I'm currently you know, almost at the 20 days because I said to myself, I want to run 20 days every single day, at least five kilometers. And so um, that's going well. Been some tough times, been some flat times, some really energetic times, but my running's coming in leaps and bounds, and it just goes again back to that age-old story of me saying consistency over perfection. Like running just rewards consistency so highly, and you know I'm only you know 14, 15 days into that, and I'm already a much better runner than I was 14 days ago. And my running speed has come back really quickly. My running fitness has come back really fitly because I was just getting a bit lazy on that and kind of only having one to two runs a week. Whereas earlier in this year when I was reaching for that 1,000-kilometer goal, uh, I was running at least three, sometimes four or five times a week. And so it's good to just really force that action. But while I was out on one of those runs last week, and I know I go on tangent, so I apologize. Let me just get straight to it. While I was out on one of those runs last week, I was coming up on a group of girls that were out running, and they were looking uh, in good shape with regards to their running. They were running along well, but just enjoying themselves out there, having a chat to each other. And as I came up behind the group, I just overheard one of the girls saying that you know, she'd been running for a few months now, and she'd started seeing a personal trainer, and this trainer was in you know m- more geared around the um, run coaching trainer kind of role. So it was more of a running coach rather than a personal trainer per se. But she had been running for a number of months, and she hadn't dropped a single kilo over that time. Uh, and she'd asked her running coach, "You know, what what do I need to do? Like, I've been running for a couple of months now, and I need to lose a few kilos, and I can't seem to lose any weight." And the trainer, she then was saying to the the other women in the group that she was running with, she said that her trainer had told her that she needs to run slower so that her heart rate moves into a range which is called the fat burning zone and if you can do that then that will help you out uh, with weight loss and moving forward with that kind of goal um, that she was hoping for as an accompaniment to her running and you know it was almost like clockwork as they were as this lady said this to the rest of the women in the running group they all kind of looked at their watches and they were all like, oh, we're running too fast and we all need to slow down. It was like synchronized swimming. They all kind of did it, you know, looked at their watch at the same time and all realized that they were running too fast and that they were above their fat burning zone and so slowed themselves right down. And it just sparked in my head straight away how um, just confusing and 
misguided so much information is out there and where this information comes from and i i never i try my best never to demonize uh any kind of food group or go against any kind of any person saying something because i try and put myself into that person's shoes or that trainer's shoes and where where do they get that information from where are they trying to lead this client or this person or you know anyone who writes an article or does a video you know, i try and do it as you know, as open-minded as objective as i can to just put myself in that other person's shoe for that time being and how they may have come to that thought process and how they come to share that information and then i guess how that information then gets rolled on and how people then get some firm beliefs in a certain area and why I led with before is you know i don't demonize a certain food group you know, the idea that carbs make you fat is just an idea that just gets perpetuated by poorly executed you know research and people then getting attached to a headline that they might then see in an article and then down the rabbit hole it goes and everyone's all of a sudden just demonizing carbs and saying carbs are fat make you fat but let I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into this idea of the fat burning zone and just clear up is it fact or is it fiction fiction no fact or myth I don't I can't remember is effect fact or non-fiction all those things but is it fact or is it myth that there is a fat burning zone and at this moment in time as you're listening to this and you're going oh my god you know i haven't lost some weight should i be in a fat burning zone and i've seen them on the treadmills where they you know have a scale of here's your age here's your heart rate here's the fat burning zone here's the aerobic zone here's the you know anaerobic um, zone and all those kinds of things are they all just Susie from accounting and Bob the Buffhead from the gym sprouting information they have no idea what they're talking about? Or is there some fact to that? And so I wanted to break that down for you and actually talk a little bit more detail of what what they are and how that idea may have been formulated to allow or have people believe that it is a thing. And so I'll be straight up in front and say that it is complete myth. But how someone has taken the data that they've used from that to formulate that idea and perpetuate that for years because I remember being in first year uni and having Dr. Tony Shields who's, who was our strength and conditioning lecturer and he was in that strength and conditioning field and he talked about this very quickly into our first year and I remember being in that because year 12 human growth and development or year 12 physical education that I did as a year 12 subject talked about fat burning zones and I remember seeing it on treadmills and it was the rage of being in this fat burning zone and doing low intensity work really boosted your ability to lose fat and burn fat and so he very quickly um, put that to rest and showed the data straight away of how someone got to that point and why that uh, idea is still kind of moving forward and that was you know I'm Sorry to say, it was, it, was, you know, it was almost 20 years ago that I was at, uh, you know, no, it was 20 years ago that I was at uh, university. Is that right? 38? 30, yeah, 20 years ago that I was at university. And so, you know, 20 years has gone by and this idea is still going around, even though back then it was very clear that this is not the case. And so, as you've heard me say time and time again, that fat loss occurs because you're in a calorie deficit. That is not made any better or any worse uh, or your ability to lose fat is no better or any worse by the exercise you do in a particular you know, zone or heart rate. So that's a very clear point we need to make uh, from the outset. And the big mistake that gets made is there is a huge difference between fat oxidization or more simply put, using fat as a fuel source to move your body 
So there's a big difference between fat oxidation and fat loss. So the kind of best kind of analogy that you can basically make is when someone goes on a keto diet, they're going to have much more fat in their diet. So they will have a higher fat oxidization, meaning their body is going to use fat more readily as a fuel source to move their body. This does not mean, though, that they are going to be losing more fat. Look at the, I mean, if you go back to very simple chemistry that you would, if you did chemistry year 10, year 11, year 12, anywhere around that range, you would have seen that when you put more substrate or kind of more initial ingredient into the equation, then it's going to push forward that equation more so in in that way and using that as the you know fuel source to push that equation forward. Exactly the same here when we're talking about fat oxidization. If you have more fat in the system, it's going to use more of that fat as its fuel. But just like your car, if you then go and top that up all the time with more fuel, i.e. you eating more food and you're not in a calorie deficit, i.e. Using, sorry, consuming less calories than what your body needs to you know, move yourself and you know, keep your body moving and thinking and beating hearts and things like that. All of those calories that your body requires, if you're just in a maintenance, as in you're putting in the same amount of fuel, whether that fuel's coming from fat or whether that's coming from carbs, proteins, or a combination of all of them, it makes no difference to your fat loss. It's just you're using more fat as a fuel source because you're putting more into the system, but you're not actually using up fat stores and reducing your body's fat. So that's the big, big kind of misconception that people make. And you know, keto files, keto Karen, the keto diet queen, she will always sprout this in that. And yes, the if you just look at the headline of the article. Yes, keto diets will make you use fat more readily in exercise, but that does not mean that your body is reducing its fat stores because you're putting more fat in there. Now, if you do eat in a calorie deficit and you're having a high fat diet or you're having a more high carb diet or a combination of the two, it will make zero difference on the amount of fat loss that you We'll see at the end end results, and more often than not, and I'm as I said, I'm only looking at the data that I have kind of come across, and I'm more than happy for anyone to show me anything else that they've seen. But from what everything that I have ever read or seen is that there is no difference when you put someone on a high fat diet or a high carb diet, and a maybe maybe kind of a combination of the two, have them eat calories that are controlled in the same way. So. Some, Person A has a high carb diet and they're on 1,500 calories. Person B has a high fat diet and they're on 1,500 calories. You then have them exercise a certain amount per day. You keep everything as controlled as possible. Both of those people lose the exact same amount of weight by the end of the study period, however long that may be. And they've done short-term studies and they've done long-term studies on that. And time and time and time again, the fat loss ability is exactly the same. Now, with that said, I can't say all of the time, but more often than not, though, people who are on a high-carbohydrate diet have much more ability to exercise at a higher intensity and output more um, energy, i.e. burn more calories, just because fats are very difficult 
um, you know, macronutrient to break down in our body, and our body much prefers to use carbohydrates as an energy source for our body. So that's kind of going into the data a little bit more and kind of pulling apart from what we're actually talking about today. So it's not something I'll kind of go into too much depth now, but just know on the surface level, whether you're high fat, high carb, mixture of two, doesn't matter, when calories are equal, and you are moving about the same amount, and we've you know evened out protein for each person. It makes zero difference how much you will lose fat over the duration of your study, or if you're in a fat loss phase, or whatever it might be. So let's just pull those two things apart: fat oxidization, using fat as a fuel source, and fat loss. Two very different things. Fat loss happens because of a calorie deficit. Fat oxidization, i.e., using fat as a fuel source depends on a number of different things. And this is now where we head into the second part that I wanted to really talk about that's the really important part of this and how people have got the idea that being in a lower intensity will help you burn more fat or help you with fat loss. So let's move on to that second part. The analogy that we were told in the very first, I'd say, couple of weeks, as I said, Dr. Tony Shields, I'm sure it was him that used the analogy of would you rather and at the time bill gates was the world's richest man so this is the analogy that he, he always used would you rather 10 percent of bill gates yearly wage or would you rather 90 percent of the average australian wage now if you do the sums very quickly you're going to understand that well if bill gates is worth billions of dollars and you're only and you've got just 10 percent of his yearly wage you're well, 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 well ahead of being at 90% of the standard Australian wage, which I think at the moment is $65,000 or something around there. So you are well ahead by having a much, 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 much lower percentage of a higher um, total amount than having a high percentage of a much lower amount. Now, reason why he used that as the analogy is it goes directly into what I'm about to talk about with regards to fat oxidization. So the reason why the idea of being in a low-intensity zone is better for fat burning is that it is true that when you work at a lower intensity, our body's ability to use fat as a fuel source is preferred. Now, a reason why that occurs is that fat is, as I said before, is quite a difficult macronutrient to break down. It's a very labor-intensive. It takes a long time, and it's difficult to do when we're exercising at a high intensity. So it's if you think about this body has basically three energy systems within it. It has the ATP, adenosine triphosphate uh, system, which is when you're sprinting, like an all-out, if you've just missed the bus and you've got to sprint to get to that bus, or if you're in an exercising, think about the 100-meter sprint. So when Usain Bolt takes off from the um, starting gates and he just absolutely 100% is belting down that 100-meter um, track, using that ATP, it requires no oxygen, it's a really quick burning system, and it's used up very, very, very quickly. We don't have many stores to be able to keep that kind of process. And so you can see that, though. At the end of 100 meters, he can't keep that kind of pace up for very much longer. Now, the um, systems, while not 100% would be using that, there would be very, very, very small amounts of fat being used as a fuel source to help the cells doing their thing to actually transport the energy and the oxygen and all those different things and all those different processes to happen. It would be a very small amount of the 
you know, fats being used in that system. There would be some carbohydrates being used in that system, but mostly it's coming from the anaerobic or without oxygen system called the ATP system. Now, we move to a slightly longer uh, but still quite high intensity based um, you know, exercise bout. We move more into a realm where the body is going to prefer to use carbohydrates as a fuel source. Now, if you think about repeated bouts like a you know, an AFL football player where they're moving, they might be sprinting a little bit, but they're moving around the field, they're running up, they're running back, and they're moving all over the place. Or if we think about, you know, a 10-kilometer runner, um, probably 10K maybe getting a bit to, you know, maybe 5 to 10-kilometer runner, um, you know, playing tennis, these kinds of sports that have repeated bouts of, you know, more high intensity, but it's kind of slower in duration and it's over a longer period of time. We're going to move into a system where, our body is going to prefer to use carbohydrates because it's still quite a high-intensity type uh, requirement and the body is going to need energy quite readily. And using fat as a fuel source at this time, at that higher elevated heart rate, is going to be a difficult thing to do. And so the body's going to roam around, sorry, the body's going to look around the body and look for you know, glycogen stores and carb, carbohydrates and glucose and all those things floating around in our system and our muscles and our liver and all those different places where um, glycogen, which is just a stored form of glucose that we eat when that's carbohydrates. So whether it's a banana or a lolly or ice cream or whatever it might be, all those carbohydrates get turned into glycogen in our body and that's what our body uses as the fuel for our body. And that's what it prefers to go for. And so when we're having that medium intensity um, to higher intensity, but over a longer period of time, and we're in the presence of some oxygen and we're about able to breathe and those different kinds of things, it's definitely going to lean towards that energy system. And fat in that point of time is going to be a very difficult thing to actually burn down and use as a fuel source. And so you look at that and you go, okay, well, at that kind of rate, then we've got no fat burning going on. Therefore, we must not be losing any fat. And this is where the idea and confusion has come around of when then people look at a very low intensity energy belt, whether it's a really long walk, or if you're looking at running a marathon, anything that's really long endurance, and we keep our heart rate relatively low, we do see an upshift in the amount of energy that comes from our fat as a fuel source, because our body now has more time to break that down and convert it into what we need to then get into the working muscles and transport the oxygen and all do those things to make us move and actually allow us to exercise at that far lower intensity. And so when you look on the surface, you go, oh my God, well, if I reduce my intensity level, my fat utilization goes up. Therefore, that must be better for fat loss. And this is where the headlines that get, get written by terrible magazines and terrible bloggers and things like that who have no idea about the actual data and the research that behind that they just see the headline and go cool that's going to be a good grabby headline in that doing slower exercise require um you know helps burn more fat yes on the surface of it and this is where as i said it comes then back to the analogy we're talking about of would you rather 90 percent of the standard australian wage or 10 percent of bill gates yearly wage in that while you might be burning a higher percentage of fat, the overall calories that you're actually burning in that much lower intensity is actually quite low. And so the total sum of calories that are coming from fat 
that's in there is actually quite low compared to if you're in a higher intensity, you know, your output's going to be huge. Yes, the percentage of burning fat or using fat as a fuel source is much, much lower, but the output is that much higher. And so in the email that I sent out last week, I did a quick analogy uh, of that. Uh, let me see if I can just scroll down here and uh, bring that up to you. So let's just say that if you were to burn 300 calories in one hour of low intensity walking, which one hour of walking, that'd probably be about right. You know, the 250 to 300 calories, it's much lower than what people think. They think, you know, people think, oh, I went for an hour walk. Oh, I must have burnt six, seven, 800 calories. It's just not even close. We burn probably about 250, 300 calories per hour when we're very low intensity. But let's just say you were using 70% fat, which is a very high percentage of fat throughout that exercise. That would mean you would have burnt 210 calories from fat. Okay. On the other hand, if you do a really high in, uh, intensity bout of exercise and you did the exact same hour and you went 800 calories in that, so a much higher intensity, a really tough 10 kilometer run that you might have done, you're probably not burning 800 calories. But let's just kind of, for argument's sake, say that you're a really high intensity and you're right up there. You've done maybe a really hard. Um, high intensity circuit session or you did a big uh, crossfit session or whatever it might be you're super high intensity heart rate was screaming the whole time it was super uncomfortable really ripped through a ton of calories in that hour but in that you're only burning 30 uh, percent your percentage of fat being used is only 30 percent yes that percentage is much lower but 30 percent of 800 is still 240 calories so it's actually still higher so as a percentage, it's much lower, but as a total volume, actually still using more fat as a fuel source within that hour. I hope those sums come across and I've explained that uh, in detail that uh, makes sense to you. The main thing to get across here is that you should work at an intensity that you are trying to aim for and your goals uh, are matched to that. Exercise should never be, and I've repeated this time and time and time and time again, Exercise should never be seen as a tool for fat loss. Exercise has a ton of great benefits that you know go. I could go on and on and on about, and we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, especially around mental health, but physical health, your cardiovascular health, what it can do to help with type 2 diabetes, what it can do to help with prevent cancer, strokes, cardiovascular disease, all of these amazing, amazing health benefits, um, both physical and mental, that come along with exercise. And exercise should 100% be part of your uh, weekly schedule. But it should be there to help you feel better, move better, um, you know, get stronger, help with lean muscle mass, help with bone density, help with preventing of cancer, like all of the things that come along with it. That's why you should be doing it and you know, how it makes you feel and you know, all of those different things is why you should be getting up each day and being energized to want to exercise. You should not be looking to exercise and go, oh, cool, this hour I'm going to burn 800 calories because 800 calories then going to put me in a calorie deficit. Absolutely not. Stick well away from exercise being a tool for fat loss. Fat loss comes from a calorie deficit and it is far easier to do that with the food that you put in your mouth because let's just say you have an hour burst of the most high intensity exercising. Get away from this fact of fat burning and um, you know the percentages of fat and there's a low, um, you know what we've just been talking about in this episode. Now, get away from all of that. Let's just say as a pure number, 
I'm going to burn through as many possible calories as I can. This next hour, I'm going to be the toughest session I've ever done. And you burn through 800 calories. You have the best pro, you know, best um, session you've ever had in your life, or it was the best run you ever had. But then you go home and have two Snickers bars, and there goes 800 calories. So just on the surface level, it was a complete waste of time. If, if the only thing you're thinking about is exercise to burn calories, you then, well, what a waste of time. That was... But no, you just did a really hard bout of exercise that no doubt you feel good from. If it's been a strength training session, you probably push some weights around. You're going to be stronger for it. If it's been a really hard circuit session, you're going to be mentally stronger for it. You're going to be building resilience. Cardiovascular fitness is going through the roof. All of those different things that come about from actual exercise, that's what you should be focusing on. That's where you should be feeling good about it, not how many calories I have, therefore I'm in a calorie deficit, or therefore I've just wasted that because I had then this this Snickers bar after it and then I'm going to be wasting all these calories. So get away from this idea that exercise is good for fat loss. It's not do fat loss, do fat loss. Worry about fat loss coming from the food that you put in your mouth. If you need me to work out your calorie deficit based on the amount that you move and your BMR and where your total daily energy expenditure should be, I've done a podcast in the past where I went step by step and told you how to work that out. But if you can't be bothered doing that, email me. My email details are down in below. I will happily work it out for you. And then all you're going to do is continue to exercise the way you have been, whatever that may be. Whether you want to go for just hour-long walks, two-hour-long walks, or bike riding, or playing tennis, or going to the gym, CrossFit, yoga, Pilates. I don't care what you do. But exercise, and exercise often and as often and as much as you possibly can because it's great for you and all of those benefits are always going to be there for you. But then stick to a calorie target regardless of what exercise you're doing. So I hope that kind of clears up the myths and misconceptions and the facts and myths around the fat burning zone. There is no such thing as a fat burning zone why that idea was perpetuated and how it came about was because what I've explained before is that, yes, at lower intensity, your body uses fat more readily as a fuel source, but that does not mean that you are reducing the total amount of fat in your body. You're just using it as a fuel source to help you move. If you then put in more calories than what your body needs, you are then topping up those reserves with what you've just used, and so you are not seeing fat loss occur occurring which only occurs when you're in a calorie deficit and you do that consistently over a long period of time. So I hope this podcast right now can lay to rest the idea of there being a fat-burning zone and you now, when you hear this being spoken about in a gym or you're coming up behind a group of people that are running and you hear them talking about this fat-burning zone and that's the reason why they're all running slow, you now know that they're full of shit and they have no idea what they're talking about. If you feel like you want to educate them, feel free to talk more about the fact that fat oxidization and fat loss are two different things and you can um, go about that conversation and uh, you know just share some of that information around or feel free to send them to my podcast and let them have a listen of this one here. But I, as I said, I did this one because there was such a massive response to that email and I wanted to give a little bit more detail and hopefully clear up the myths and misconceptions around this idea that, as I said, it's been going on for decades and it needs to stop because there is no fat-burning zone. So let's get out of that and let's get it off treadmills. Like, I'm make a movement for getting, you know, you see that scale still on a on a treadmill of just that graded, here's your age, here's your heart rate, this is where you should be to be in a fat-burning zone. It's still on treadmills today, which just 
infuriates me and annoys me to no end. So let's get rid of those. Let's get rid of this idea and let's uh, all move forward and understand that there's no such thing as a fat burning zone. And fat loss comes because we're in a calorie deficit, not because of the heart rate we're achieving on a certain uh, activity. So guys, that's been another episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been of value. As always, if it has been, share it on your uh, social media for me. You know, send me an email. Let me know you enjoyed it. Uh, all my emails are down. All my details are down below. More than happy to hear from you. And as I said, if you want me to work out your calorie uh, zone that you should be in to help you achieve your fat loss goals, then I'm more than happy uh, to do that for you. So, hope that's been another good episode for you. I hope to talk to you all next week. I love you all. Bye. <laughs>